And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, we've watched the evolution of commerce and e-commerce really just catch on fire and take over all of our lives over the last 10, 20 years. With that, there's a lot of direct-to-retail strategies that have come up and many win. Some don't. We're going to talk about the winners today. Let's let's stick with that path. Before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustles powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Go to fullscale.io to learn more. There's a link for that in the show notes. With me today, I've been Wabateri, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Mammoth. You can go to mammoth.la and learn more about what they are up to straight out of Santa Monica, California. Benoit, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, you know, let's let's get the conversation started with a little bit about your own backstory and what brought you to founding Mammoth. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, building for a long time now. My first startup was out of college. Uh, I was born and raised in France. So I did that back there uh, in 1999. And, uh, you know, people are talking the web three days. I, I was a web one guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, did that for a couple of years and sold it. Uh, two years after I did college uh, to eBay, French eBay, and then moved to LA. So I've been in LA now for about 20 years, and uh, I've been building since then. I think overall, over the last 20 years, I had a, a job for 12 months max, uh, or working for someone else. So that, that has been my own, my own gig. Uh, but what led me to uh, Mammoth was uh, coming from gaming. I was uh, deep into the gaming world, coming out of... Uh, of a pretty large gaming network, selling it, and then starting to think that I could do the same thing, uh, but for content rather than just gaming and entertain younger folks on on the phone through content, which led me to build Mammoth. Uh, Mammoth and Mammoth was at the beginning just a publishing um, uh, mobile publishing company, which from publishing apps led us to build uh, a pretty large uh, influencer network for ourselves to distribute our own apps, which then led us to do that for other apps. And then one day we got TikTok that knocked at our door uh, saying, hey guys, uh, we see all the content that you're creating. Uh, we have a problem. Uh, it's a good problem, but we have a problem. Brands want to come on TikTok, but they don't know necessarily how to create TikTok content and they're reaching out to us to create content. And as a platform, we don't want to create content, but if you're up to, we'll create a program where we'll send you the brands and they will create content. You will create content for them and then they will come spend money on TikTok. And that was about three years ago now. And so we went deep into content creation for brands over the last three years. And now I think we're about 300 brands deep. 
Um, and uh, for whatever reason, uh, a lot of those brands were CPG brands. Uh, and, um, and what happened across the board, I would say for probably 95% of those brands, we had the same we are getting to the same point, three or four on sales. Like I love the engagement. I love the views, but does it drive sales? <laughs> and, and my answer was like, well, I don't know. And I was coming from a digital world where I could measure everything. <laughs> I could see every single click, every single conversion. And then suddenly I couldn't anymore. And so that's what led us to the latest um, product that we built in the more marketing tech, which is full retail attribution. So digital to retail attribution which led to a lot more, but that's the, that's the, I would say the two minute recap on my last 20 years. You know, there obviously a lot to unpack there when it comes to, let's actually start with the content piece. Mm -hmm. uh, what well, I, I do want to head up the analytics stuff. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's not as sexy to the listeners. So, you know, everyone's, everyone's talking about content these days. What, what was the, what was the one thing or a couple things that you found that a lot of these brands were doing wrong or weren't just what, where were they missing when it came to creating short form? Well, I mean, the biggest miss across the board is looking at a short form piece of content as a marketing piece and people just trying to sell or trying to sell good or trying to push their vision or their, you know, whatever is in their marketing Bible, trying to pack that into a 20 second video. And uh, that was the biggest problem, especially as, you know, TikTok became bigger and bigger and then Reels came in, which very similar format is it's all about real content, authenticity. It's like things that you can relate to. And when you come to those platforms with like a marketing message, it just doesn't work. But that's what marketers have been doing for the last, you know, 20 plus years when it comes to digital content. Well, I think if we, um, let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Cause I think a lot of people listening will benefit from this and meaning when you create, all right, you, I think if you're going to create content, you got to put yourself in the viewer's seat and you know, you're sitting there and I, I was doing it this morning. I was laying in bed and I was watching little short form videos and it takes what, how long, let, let's see, he can see me. So how long does this take? Yeah. Finger down the screen. Yeah. And move on to the next thing. And I think it's real easy to do that. Anytime, you know, I, I've been down this rabbit hole myself and we've created a lot of short form stuff too. Now, obviously selling entrepreneurship or advice might be a little bit different. And by the way, CPG consumer packaged goods. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I think that people are just kind of uh, trained to skip the, the paid or sponsored ad and the platforms do a pretty good job of hiding the fact that, you know, there is the word sponsored down there. But the mo I think the moment that people get a whiff of the fact that they're being sold to, they just there's that one tenth of a second flip and they're on the way. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of brands have have figured this out and have done a little more to show either the benefits of what they're doing or perhaps just tell a brilliant story, which helps a buyer or consumer identify with the company itself. And I think you touch on that is the word story, right? How do you tell a story that will engage? Because at the end of the day, now there is some crazy algorithm that will serve you the content that you engage with. So if you do that skip in alpha second, 
like TikTok or Meta will know that that's not the content that you want. So you will never see that kind of a content again. So if you don't also lean on what the algorithm is recommending, you will never get in front of your consumers. And that's the bigger thing. And that's why engagement comes from a story that you engage with. You cannot put like this, like, you know, the old days, $4.99 uh, act within the next 20 minutes or the deal is gone. Like that is not working on chart form. You know, I think another thing when it when it comes to to short form and creating it is, I think I, I've talked to a lot of people that they've they say, oh, well, I tried doing reels, I tried doing TikTok, I tried doing this, but I didn't get any views. The idea that you're going to create something and it, it just organically is going to go viral, especially when it's a marketing based message. You got to wake up people. That's not how this works. You know, these, by the way, all these platforms are running businesses as well. So, you know, they're there to sell ads. I, I, my rule when it comes to content is if you create it, if it's, if you look at it and you say, oh, this is something I wouldn't boost or pay that, you know, pay to promote. Then my question is, why are you publishing it at all? That probably means it's crap. You know, Mm -hmm. if you create something, you should be ready to promote it. Now, is the is the work that you guys do at Mammoth built largely around that, or is it about the yeah. idea of trying to to keys, get get some viral component going? I mean, there is always that idea that you know the the I want my viral video to come at some point, but uh, if they are coming to us, especially with this program with TikTok, is because they're ready to put media dollars behind it. So they want to be able to create as many pieces of content as they can so they can find the one that will engage properly. Yeah. And they all test. And I, and I really, truly believe in that mythology about I'm going to create content and I'm not just creating one piece and I hope that it works. I'm going to create 20 of them and I'm going to test it. Right? That very, very like old school direct response method works really well. And, uh, and, you know, when, when we look at TikTok and, and Reels, you have to test. You never know what's going to work. You really don't, right? And, and, and I get those grants all the time. I say, well, I try TikTok. It doesn't work. I try Reels. It doesn't work. No, 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 no. It's not that it doesn't work. It obviously works. You have billions of people on this platform. It's just you don't know how to work it. And that's a different story, right? And, and, and there's a lot of things that you can do to understand how it works or it, it doesn't work. Well, you said at the top of the show, what, what creates sales and conversions? And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, here's, I don't know if this is a cautionary tale, but so earlier this year, I published a video on, you know, Facebook reels. And um, it was, a, it was me sitting in a chair and I was telling a story about selling golf balls when I was a kid, right? Because mm-hmm. we used to, my family had a house near a golf course. We used to go out, we'd go to the pond, walk around in the mud. We'd find the golf balls because we'd step on them. We'd clean them up and we'd go sell them up at the tee box. That video went viral. I got about three mil, uh, just under 3 million organic views on it. I got a shitload of new followers. Yeah. Didn't sell a single thing from it, right? I mean, so like, I'm just saying, like, just because you get millions of views or something goes viral. And, you know, it had been kind of a joke around, around, uh, around our house that that I had gone so long without a viral video because I published a lot of stuff and you know like yeah. I always make fun of myself and then of course the the one thing that comes along is a video of me talking to me. there was even there's even an article a magazine picked it up but you know it's like the 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 thing is is 
is if I was, if I allowed myself to be disillusioned, I'd tell myself that that was, that, that video was successful because it added followers to my, to my collection of followers that could then be exposed to the other stories that I tell. But as far as making sales, it didn't sell shit. Exactly. Yeah. And it's very difficult to sell from a viral moment. Right. I had, I had another brand and, and I cannot share the name of this brand, but you may find it as you, as you go online, but they had cut a deal with Kim Kardashian, right? And the, and the Kim posted on a reel about the product, obviously millions of views. And we expect Kim Kardashian to sell. Well, nothing, zero e-com sell coming out of it. Not, not a single one, zero, right? So now you can have say as well, Kim Kardashian sucks. It doesn't work. Or you try to understand why, right? And obviously there's different things that can do. There's giving awareness of the product with one shot and probably a million of people are going to see it. But if you don't follow through with more messaging and engagement to buy, it's never going to work, right? It's not just because you have a celebrity that's going to talk about your product that that's it. You are going to sold out your product. This is not going to happen. So how do we fix this problem? Well, for me, I, I, at least the way we're seeing it work with brands is testing, 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 testing. But that's why, I'm, and we get into the less sexy part, is you cannot test if you don't measure, right? So testing and measuring is key. And that's been key, not just now. I mean, for me, that's been key for the last 20 years of my entrepreneurship life. You have to test and measure and you don't only learn from what works, you learn from what doesn't work as well. Like failure in testing is good. That's how you get to understand what you should iterate with and what you should test next. And then you find this content that will convert, that will go to sell, to convert to a certain amount of sales. And now you get into the even less sexier thing, which is understanding your cost of acquisition, your lifetime value. But this is how you build a business. I mean, I'm sure for you building content, you have to understand how much it costs to acquire consumers or customers through a single piece of content, but then you know they are gonna consume more, right? They know they are gonna to listen to podcasts, they know they are gonna buy a book, back. I mean, those kind of things. I'm, like, it doesn't matter what, what product you're selling, you have to test and understand all of this. If not, it's just a guessing game and you cannot scale with guess. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> now, I'll give you an example. So. Yeah, podcast, which analytics are terrible on, by the way, yeah. Yeah. right? Like very difficult to track podcast and, and it's ROI, ROE, any, anything with an R. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it really is. It's hard, but, but I know that it's accomplishing part of the point when I do get on a call with a prospect that wants to use our services at full scale. And I'll get on, you know, typically, you know, you start a call or whatever you, you, you might say, oh, this is who I am. This is what I do at the company. And I'll do that. And then the, the person on the other end of the line says, oh, I, I feel like I already know you. You don't need to explain. I've been listening to the podcast. That's an example. That, that's the story, though, because that's the thing is, is um, you know, the, the increasing the comfort level of the person that you want to do business with, accelerating that, that that process to the point where you you don't have to build trust in the same short period of time that you normally do when hey okay so you fill out this form on a website 
because you're interested in a product and I get back to you and we do a call and you don't know me from the next guy. So I, you got to build the trust and whatever, but this is where that storytelling comes in. And, you know, that's, I mean, there's books upon books about this. I love the book, the story brand. I think it's Donald Miller. I think is the yeah. author of that. You know, the story brand is, is just kind of breaks down the way that you could or should tell a story. And by the way, great entrepreneurs are great storytellers, you know, and th this is a very important part of brand identity in the, in the modern business. But, you know, essentially, um, you know, when in the story brand Miller's talking about, he, he compares it to Hollywood. One of the first things he says in the, in the book is don't read this book because I will ruin every movie you will ever see for all time. And the, and the reason is why is because there's a very predictable format about, what we look for and what we like as viewers. That's why occasionally some a movie wins an Oscar and people go to watch it and they're like, what the hell is that? This doesn't yeah. make any sense because yeah. it's outside of the story brand. And that's essentially someone has a problem. I, there's a guide that takes that person through solving that problem or training to fix it. They face adversity. They usually have a setback. They come back and then they win. And then there's some kind of party at the end Boom, we won. And which, by the way, and I, in Star in this in Empire Strikes Back, the second <laughs> Star Wars movie, there is a very weird scene at the very end of that where just strangely they're just like 15 seconds. They put a medal on on Luke Skywalker and another one on Princess Leia, and then it's out. And it's funny because I always wondered. I'm like, what is that? Why was that scene even in there? And that's almost to complete the equation of the story brand. Now, and here in 2023, look at the brand. You mentioned Kim Kardashian. Like Kim Kardashian was nothing but a personality. She was a, a, on a on a reality show with some interesting people. People, whether you like her or not, that told a story about who she was, what they did. It built personality around it. And you can do the same thing as an entrepreneur with your brand. Now, if you're strapped, if you're strapped for for marketing or promo budget, go out and publish content. I've seen people do it all the time. I have clients that have millions of followers from just simply getting out there and doing it. And guess what? Their first content is terrible. Yes. Yours will be, yours will be too. It, it's, it's exactly right. And, it, and yeah. that's the idea. You're touching on something super important around entrepreneurship. And I've seen that myself. And I was there was a tweet that popped up yesterday around that. It's like, you know, the, the, the most underrated skills for an entrepreneur is sales. And oh, I agree. You have to know how to sell. And that goes with storyline. Like, oh, storyteller, sorry. Like a, story, a salesman is a storyteller. A good salesperson is a storyteller. And as an entrepreneur, you have to sell your co-founder. You have to sell your investors. You have to sell your consumers. You have, you, you have to be able and you, selling sometimes is a bad word for people. But storytelling, that's what it is, right? Pitching, that's what it is. And so I think that's that's part of when you actually you, you, your example of your video that went viral with uh, with the golf balls. That's such a good story. People love that kind of a story. You as a kid figuring it out how to make money. Those stories we love. Those stories we engage with. Should you expect to sell product? No. People are gonna now get to know you. Now if you leave it at that, nothing mm -hmm. is gonna happen. But if you start riding that wave and engaging with more content like that, and at some point leading to a transaction, it will be like a good example. I think around an entrepreneur that did that was uh, the founder of Crumble Cookie. 
I don't know if you follow them on on on, on TikTok where you should watch his videos. It started like that, just posting videos of his journey of making cookies and going from just making cookies in his uh, kitchen to now having, I don't know how many stores they have in the US, 300, 400 stores. And, uh, and then he went all the way to uh, having TikTok live when he was eating dinner, just talking about what, it, what his day was. Does it sell cookies? No. Does it build this kind of equity with the consumer? Yes, right? But if that, sells, that sells cookies. It does, exactly yeah. right, right? It does. It's that plus everything else, but you need that piece. On the exact opposite of making and selling cookies, if you need to find expert software developers, that does not have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use Fullscale's platform to define your technical needs and see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Once again, with me today, Ben Vateri, the CEO and co-founder of Mammoth. You can go to mammoth.la. There's a link for that in the show notes too. Um, you know, you talk about that it's such an interesting world with this. I've got a, a, a friend that I'm actually going to visit this week. And you talk about the, the, the whole idea of the, the, crumble, the crumble cookie story just reminds me a lot of the YouTube channel that my friends Eric and Jamie Perkins have started. They're builders. They are from a town of like 3,000 people in Western North Carolina. They uh, have 850,000 subscribers at this point. They started, all they do, all the whole the whole channel is basically watch me work. And there's a whole lot of stuff out there. You know, I've seen so many people do that. Uh, you know, a buddy of mine, JC Lopez out at Urban Necessities in Vegas has made himself world famous for sneakers because of that. And, you know, here's the thing. This is back to the story. Now, I hate the fact that I sell software because I, I made a video once, Benoit, that it was like, it said tech entrepreneur a day in the life of, right? And yeah. they just had me sitting in front of a computer <laughs> and, and some keyboards. And I was like, I sent the email. I replied all. I did it, everyone. And like, there's some things that you really can't show. But if yeah. you're in an industry, so like you mentioned, like CPG, consumer packaged goods, people buy things because of the benefit that it provides. Yeah. And that's pretty easy to show. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's an easy I, thing I to show you how you're doing it. And I'm drinking this thing, AG1. I don't know if you've seen that thing. That thing is blowing up, right? And I bought it because I watch it on TikTok and I saw that it was good for me. Uh, but also the story behind it, the videos were like all about authenticity. There was someone like we in the morning grabbing their juice and figuring out why it was better to take that compared to 200 pills, right? And so, yes, that's that's how you, I think those days, that's how you have to do marketing. With CPG, actually with CPG, you are seeing things moving a little bit it used to be all about the benefits but now it's about the story right and so like you know it could be a story a story that is about you know the the quality of the product and the craftsmanship of the product or it could be a funny uh brand like you know i, I if i take the one i are working with quite a bit uh liquid death liquid death it's water <laughs> right so what are you going to say about water like who says, yeah, it comes from the French hops or whatever it is that we've heard 300 times already. But that's why they had, they did something different, right? It was all about, it's about comedy. It's, it's really fun. And you can really lean on that, on that brand. 
but you also have a bunch of other ones like the serial brands right now. The serial world it used to be so boring, right? And now you have those guys like Off Limits, Magic Spoon. It's all like you look at the content they create on TikTok. It's all fun while still telling you it's good for you. But it's a completely different way to tackle brands, right? There is a story behind it. There's something that when you see the video, even if you don't see the brand name, you understand, you know who they are. You can, you, you remember, oh, I've seen those guys before, right? Yeah, I run into that occasionally. Um, yeah, being being the, the spokesperson for our company and largely in the Philippines, we've had millions upon millions of impressions for recruiting software developers. So occasionally I'm in the IT park and someone walks by there. Hey, you're the full scale guy. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about yarn. Can we? Yeah, we can. I mean, that's okay. a, an old school app that I built. That is, there's a lot to say about it. It's a fun app. Yeah. Well, so, well, tell us about it. Yeah. So this app actually, we, we built it to tell stories and we realized that when it came to a mobile screen and short attention span, and talking to younger folks, just having long form chapter books was not necessarily working. And when we looked at how do Gen Z's, like, you know, the 15 to 25 years old uh, folks read content those days, it's mostly through, through text messages. So we told ourselves, can we tell a story through text messages? Can people text each other? And that's how the story is going to unfold. And that's how we built it. And we got a lot of success through it. By, but following still the same, like you say, the same recipe on how you tell a story, but in a different form. And that the big thing that we realized is that you could have the text just keep on dropping without you taking any action, just, you know, autoplay of the video. And what would made a big difference is that people were taking action and tapping on the screen to go from one message to another. And that was a big like there was a big difference, small things that you think about, but actually made a big difference on the engagement with the app. And uh, yeah, I think we got a total so far of over 60 million downloads on Yarn. Yeah, there's, uh, you talk about, okay, you, true or false, this is engagement. Um, you have 8 billion messages that have gone through that. I would say true. True, oh yeah. That's what we want, right? Engagement. Yeah. So. That's what yeah. it is. It's, a, it's, it's wild. When you find, it goes back to the same thing. When you find the right format, the engagement will come. But it takes, I mean, it took us so much testing to find the right format, the right story to get those, those to those metrics. Well, then you've got another one, Wishbone. Whoop. So I want to see, like, there's more. There's that, more. It was the same thing. Wishbone was a funny thing. What? Right, people remember probably the guys of our age, uh, the hot, not hot kind of uh, website where you were burning on, on folks, where we did, can we do the same thing on the phone, but about anything around pop culture. And it was a very simple app now that you look at it. It's just side-by-side -side image where you vote. But to get to this, which is massive engagement, right? On average, people are voting over 100 times per day. Right, 100 times, 100 votes, right? Well, it took us to find this right format that was coming from an old school format. It's rare that you come up with something new, right? It's always coming from those principles that work over and over, but just in different environments. 
Yeah, well, uh, I'll tip my cap to you officially, sir, because both Yarn and Wishbone are consistently ranked in the top 100. Yeah, up charts. Now, you know, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, this podcast is is usually in the top 200 for entrepreneurship. It's been as high as number 15. It's been as low as who knows, because they quit measuring under 200. But um, considering the amount of apps and podcasts and all that stuff out there, I think if you can get anything going where people pay attention, first off, thank them. Uh, yeah. Show a little gratitude and uh, and and be glad. Now, um, I, I you know with that, I want to roll into expectations that that come with content because it's not uncommon for me to go to something and I run into anyone that says, "Hey, man, I listen to your podcast. I just started my own." And then eventually, what happens is, "Why well, I really I feel really frustrated." Because I look at your podcast, you guys just got 5 million download or you have over a thousand episodes or something like that. And and they say, yeah, but, and then I only get a hundred downloads per episode. And I ask him, I said, so if tomorrow a hundred people showed up to hear what you had to say, would you consider that to be a big win? And overwhelmingly they're like, yeah, that'd be amazing. That'd be awesome. I said, then your podcast is very successful. Yep. So how do you measure what you guys create at Mammoth? Obviously, like sales cures ales. Yeah. But how do you how do you set people up for expectation? Because like like I said, I sell boring shit. Like I don't have the expectation that I'm going to do a video about how to create great software. They they don't go viral. That's not that's I I yeah. I have in my mind proper expectations. If I can create a video about building software that goes viral, then I'm a genius. Because yeah. no one no one else does it. There are certain components with stuff. But how do you set up a client, user, or, in, or anyone's expectations for determining what's successful and what isn't? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I mean, it depends on the product, obviously. But uh, for us, it's really about 90% of what you're going to do is not going to work. <laughs> that's how we start. Right, because everybody thinks that whenever they are gonna, it's always a shiny object, the new shiny object, right? Oh, I'm talking to you. You have this silver bullet that is gonna make things work. No, 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 no. I don't. I have a good playbook that I can get through with you. And what we are gonna get is data to understand if it works or doesn't work. And most likely, on average, ninety percent of the content that we create doesn't work with very specific metrics that we define from an engagement perspective to a transaction perspective, but you're not, it's not going to work. And then people are like, oh, but no, actually this is great. From this 90% it's going to work. For you, I'm going to have probably 10% that may not work great, but as good metrics that lets you now build more that will probably get to the point that you want to be in order to scale. But even the 90% that didn't work, that's where you're going to learn the most, right? And actually that what is better is you know that it doesn't work. So many people are just, even on the content space on the podcast side, I'm sure, is you create and you don't know why it doesn't work, right? You just, oh, you get your two, you get even no listener at some point. Why? Why nobody's getting it? That's the most frustrating thing is when you don't know why it doesn't work. So for me, the knowing why it doesn't work is the big piece. And that's the expectation that we set. We are not a silver bullet, but we're going to get you the data to understand. I've been creating content for a long time at this point. And I will tell you that 
every content creator at some point creates something and, and you're going, this is it. This yeah. is the one. This is, this is, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to win an Emmy, Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony on this. I'm going to EGOT all day. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. And then you hit publish. And then no. all you hear is, yeah. Yeah. and you're like, what? Yeah. What? I mean, I'll tell you right now, if you meet anybody that creates content that can't tell you that same story, then they just haven't done the long I, I mean, I had to be juggling around when I, when I work with my team. It's like, when they show it to me and I say, oh, I like it, it most likely is not going to work, right? Usually, I'm the, I, I'm the one that if I like, I know like probably this is not it. So, yes, you can. And that's why, again, you need to understand what your audience wants. It's not what you like necessarily what the audience is looking for, right? And you need to understand. You need to have this feedback loop in some way so you understand what works and what doesn't work, especially for content. Right. And that's, that's that. Like I, what you experience, I experience pretty much on a daily basis. Yeah. And that's hard to get around. I can't imagine what that's like if it's, um, if you have cl a client service wrapped around it, yeah. but, yeah. but yeah, it's a, you know, I, I recently bought a farm property South of Kansas city and I've been doing a lot of work out there. And as mm -hmm. the, the different, uh, service providers have come by, um, you know, they, they seem to have a tendency to figure out who I am or what I do. And, and, and I've noticed all, you know, I get, get to know some of these people cause they're working at our place, you know, a lot. And, 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 and by the time they're done there, I've had three of them tell me, they're like, I already, I, I, I went and bought the cameras already. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, and they tell them, I'm like, but, but they should be excited cause they have something to show. You know, if you show a time-lapse, yeah. An example, you talk about like the creation of a product and people are like, well, I don't want people to see that. Yeah, you do. You do. If you have something that yeah, it's labor intensive or detail oriented or whatever, it is unbelievable what like a, a simple time lapse, like I have one, I haven't published it yet, but I did one of, of the, so I, I, we ha I had a half court basketball, like a half court basketball yeah. court installed. And it was such a fascinating process because, you know, they come, they got to dig a bunch of dirt and they got to do all this stuff. And it's just, it's very, it's, it, you, you see that there's something soothing about seeing that process from beginning to end. But I asked the guy that owned the company, I said, well, what's something you want to, you, you, you want to do better at and, you know, building value around what we do. I said, well, this will, something like this, even if it's just on the homepage of your website, even if it doesn't need to go viral because people yeah. will see how many people and how much stuff and how much action and how much work it takes into creating a 40 by 40 piece of concrete. Yes. And that's, but that's still storytelling and you do it yeah. fast, you do it quick. No one wants to watch your eight minute video about that. Get it in really short and get it moving. But it's little things like that, that I think can win in that direct. Now I know we're talking direct to retail. That's still kind of direct to retail. I mean, I'm the buyer. Yeah. So it is, and I see those videos more and more, those, you know, time lapse. Like, I see for me, like, and again, that's the algorithm that sees that I like it. I watch the entire video, so I'm giving more of it. But I see those those gardening service, folks showing up, cleaning up your front yard or backyard. They show up, it's like a mess. It in a matter of 45 seconds, you see how they go in two days to make it, like, amazing, right? Yeah. And there's this, this feeling of satisfaction, and I'll... I'll the craftsmanship of those books 
And that's, that's a great piece of great storytelling. Chignan, of course, they may not call you right away. It's like, I want your service. Most likely also, they're probably not in your region. But now you have a relationship with the, with the viewer and the consumer. Now you can tell them more, right? And that's, especially for those kind of folks, uh, I think it's a very valuable kind of content that they should create and post. Yeah, and like I said, you're sitting there going, why did I pay $14,000 for yeah, something? Well, there you go. <laughs> because look, all this equipment has to come in. These people have to do it. It takes multiple days. And, you know, like I said, a lot of it, and I think, and you know, that I think that that, that shows really well. And that, that you know, what, what am I paying for? Because, you know, there's a lot of stories out there. People say like, oh, I came and I gave a $4,000 bid and the buyer says, well, um, that seems a little high, you know, what are you paying for? Well, you're paying for the 20 years that it took me to learn how to do this and accumulate all the tools and learn how to make it last and a lot of stuff like that. So you can really tell that story. Okay. So before we run out of time here, when are there, are there products, situations or, or businesses that shouldn't get into this scene? I don't think so. I mean, obviously there is a lot of regulation. I yeah, I think it can kind of be for everyone. I think I agree. It's always a, ter- a story to be told of, of for any kind of products. Uh, so I don't think any nobody should. I mean, no, everybody should try. Everybody should find their own angle. Everybody should tell their own story. What are some things that you recommend? I, I want to. I don't want to get out of here without some don'ts because I think yeah. a lot of people kind of mess some of this stuff up. Like we have a brand standard where we don't talk about religion, sex, or politics. Because, yes. Well, the sex part, man, yeah. it's a workplace, you know. And then uh, religion and politics don't really have anything to do with the products we sell. I I, I have a better chance of pissing someone off. And losing them as a listener or a follower or a viewer or whatever, or a customer or client or a prospect when I'm talking about the other things, um, what are some of the, what are some of the things that are on your naughty list for avoiding? Yeah. Well, first is getting kids in the content. It's trouble just for a lot of different reasons for regulation, for comments, all of that. Check a little box before you publish that said there's kids in it. They'll shout, yeah. Exactly. Every time there's someone that is less than 21 years old or looks younger than 21 years old, I try to stay away from it, right? Now, also, there's what you just say, all those polarizing uh, moments, right? And so you are, obviously, religion, politics are not the one that you want to touch. But also, there's like reacting to events that just happen could backfire so fast, right? As a brand, you want to be very careful to, and a lot of brands want to, a lot of brands say, so they, they, they hope that they can ride the virality of something in order to also get their own moment. I've seen that going sideways so many times, right? So I would say for me, the other way around is just, you can go, you can go with your own lane and just go deep in your own lane and don't try to do it all. And don't try to grab that moment and saying, well, I'm going to go with it. Does that fit in your lane? No. Well, then don't touch it, right? That, that, that would be my biggest thing. Like, don't go for those moments. Yeah, the only time I've done any piece of content that was adjacent to current events was when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Oh, geez. <laughs> and that was, and that, that was, and I sat there for, 
an afternoon and I really like, I felt like I wanted to explain it to people and what was going on and why. And, you know, that, and, you know, I did do it. I did end up publishing a small short form on it. And later I removed it. Yeah. Because the situation had changed and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it solved it. It it served a purpose in the beginning, but it didn't age well. No, it didn't age well. Though, as we have entrepreneurs listening to us, pick your bank wisely. (laughs) I was was deep in Silicon Valley Bank. My business was in SVB. All my personal cash was in SVB. So I learned my lesson in the hard way. They've so, been a sponsor of this podcast, so like that was. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about them because they helped me as an entrepreneur. But I would say distribution of your cash across multiple banks probably a good tip. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was the, that was the only time, and like I said, I did that just because I felt that I don't want to sound full of myself when I say this, but. There's been, uh, you know, I find that I have to be a soothing voice more than anything else. Like that's the number one calls that I get from my friends and peers or people that reach out. Hey, if you're listening, feel free to message me. Find me on LinkedIn. That's a good place to do it. And, you know, but, you know, I end up soothing people a lot. And that was one of those things. I felt like there was no way that the the government was going to just let that implode and leave us all. Yeah, they made you got you got made whole, right? I did, and I was like you for the whole for the very beginning. I thought they was never gonna do that, and then yeah. I've seen this kind of story. And that you're in your own echo chamber. Also, as a big advice for entrepreneurs, try to go out of your own echo chamber. Like the for me, my, I have my Twitter echo chamber, and that's not good because I start seeing that story going like, well, maybe we don't want to save those Silicon Valley millionaires. Well. We're not all millionaires when we're entrepreneurs, right? And so I was like, oh my gosh, if that goes that way and they don't backstop this, I'm in deep, deep trouble. But he went through, but I think what you do, and we should actually have more of that kind of a, of a thing going on in these entrepreneurship communities, help each other, soothe each other, try to calm down rather than just go and hype it up and go, go crazy. Because that's what happened in those eco chamber. Everybody repeats the same thing over and over, and you all stop to freak out, right? And that's what that's happened. That's part of why SVB failed because yeah, it, it was a social media bank run. Yeah, 100%, it was a run on the bank trigger by Twitter, right? And and so all right, people on Twitter. So yes, don't listen to your own eco chamber. Go out of it and call your best friends. One last do or don't kind of thing on the way out is I'm personally of the belief that not all social media channels are for all businesses, even though you get like a billion people in there. Like you mentioned TikTok, um, the, you know, some of it like, okay, it's hard for me to say that there isn't a buyer for you on TikTok because there is, there's like a billion people that use it. So someone in there is a potential prospect. But I think that there are definitely certain platforms when it comes to publication that are better suited. And a lot of that has to do with the demographic. It could also have to do with the length or format. You know, like on Facebook Reels, I'll actually let you go 90 seconds, which, you know, it, you know, at one point was basically long form content. But what's your take on getting your st- on which platform to focus on and where to where to expect results and where to maybe be skeptical that you'll get them? 
I, I agree. I mean, I think there is a clear already just between B2C, a business consumer and B2B, business to business, like there are different platforms, right? So I would yeah. say if, for example, when you promote our apps for us, yes, the Reels and a, and a TikTok, where there are all those consumers, wide uh, variety of, uh, you know, age groups, it's great. But if I need to promote my platform by direct to retail platform, Am I going to do that on TikTok? No. That's what the people expect on that platform. Even if they are there, they are expecting entertainment. They are not, they are not expecting business talks on, on TikTok. Even if there are people that are doing some, a good job at it. But yeah. if you go to LinkedIn or Twitter, most likely you are going to get people in the mindset that they are ready to read and consume the content that you have. So I, don't, I, I agree with you. Not every single platform is good for everything. You have to pick. Right. And in this, I would say your top two or top three. Well, and like you mentioned, like, I mean, B2B content, like LinkedIn's made for that. Exactly. You know, that, yeah. I think for me, it's LinkedIn and Twitter. That's where, that's where it is. That's why yeah. I think. Well, and, and when you get a, when you get a, when you get a user that is in that environment, they're in the business frame of mind. Yes. Where that same message that might do really well on LinkedIn, you go put it on Facebook where people are not as, I think people do a lot of business in the meta stuff anyway, but you know, but, overall, that's maybe not the frame of mind that they're in. Like oh. I'll get a different kind of engagement in that platform as I would on LinkedIn, same exact message. And then TikTok might be a whole nother thing. So I don't know. I think, uh, you know, as we wrap up, I like to do what I call the founders freestyle and give every founder that I get on the show a chance to wrap things up. So is there anything that we didn't talk about mention or that we skipped over that you want to throw in? And then I'll, I'll take a turn with the mic too. Yeah, on my end, the thing that we didn't touch really on that I think is if we have any of those folks here, and I know there are probably a good, a good amount of listeners that are in that bucket that are creating their own brands that they're going to sell either through direct-to-consumer and then in retail. And I, as we see right now, and the listeners may expect that, it's very difficult to raise capital against direct-to-consumer. There is a lot of different reasons why, but it's difficult as an entrepreneur right now to raise capital. The expectation is you're going to have to have your product on shelves in retail, right? And so I think if I had to put some word out there is think about this strategy about how you're going to get people where they are right now, which is in digital on the one of those platforms that we talked about. And now you are going to get them to walk into a store. Just think through that, right? The two numbers I would leave you with is like 80% of the media marketing dollars for for uh, CPG are in, uh, are in digital, but 90% of sales are in retail. How do you bridge those two? Think about it. With the content lens, just think about that with the content. Well, you got to give people a reason to take action as part yes. of it. Yeah. yeah. One of the things yeah. that, that you mentioned, the one, one out of 10, you're, one out of 10 pieces working or as big. You know, I, get, I often get asked what my philosophy on entrepreneurship is or what my approach is. And I say, man, I'm just, I try 10 things hoping that one works. Yep. And when I find one thing that works, when I find that crack, my first priority is trying to figure out how to shove an elephant through it. You know, yep. like, and that's, that's what I think you need to look for. I think people get hung up on the nine things that didn't work. Um, you know, my two favorite words when it comes to selling are both four letter words, sold and next, 
right? right. You know, we're ready to move on down the line and do something different. And look, here's the thing is there are businesses and brands that legit get built on that one out of 10 thing that worked. And that's where you need to put your energy, your emotion, your all of it, your ad spend, because especially if you get something that goes viral. Now, look, a golf ball video isn't really a great example of like what I should be using to sell developer services. And on the way out, once again, today's episode, Startup Pulse is brought to you by Fullscale.io. There's a link in the show notes, mammoth.la. Link in the show notes there too. I gotta get I gotta get that work in. I just realized yeah, I, I, have to. I get in trouble at work, man. I don't want to you know, that's just the funnel. I don't want to have to show up. I get in trouble, but but yeah, I mean overall, like I you know I think that I, I, the last thing I wanted to say is is first everybody's content sucked in the beginning until it didn't. Everyone's had a marquee piece of something that didn't fly that they thought would. Uh, the key is just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and you know very few, if anybody, goes viral on their third post. Yes. Platforms aren't really made to do that. They want to see you be consistent. They want to, it takes a while. Um, and, Don't chase and, the virality, chase the quality, the engagement, chase the storytelling, tell the right story. And, I'll, and to just that, add to what you were saying about every single first piece of content sucks. One of my favorite uh, entrepreneur and, uh, and investor, Reed Hoffman, who was one of the co-founder of LinkedIn, uh, said that if you are not ashamed of your first product that you push out is because you didn't move fast enough. Yeah. And that's the same with content. Don't, don't overthink it. Don't try to make it perfect. Create, push it out, get reaction from your consumers. I think that if at any time in the history of this kind of stuff, you could get away with independent level production, meaning not, I mean, you look at people, you know, I see Gary V driving down, you know, in a car with a bouncy cell phone that's kind of pointed at his face and people will sit there and watch that stuff. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, some of, but it's also, that's, that's, you know, I'm not a huge Gary V fan. I'm not, I don't dislike him either. I just don't yeah. really like all of Yeah. You know, I mean, overall though, the thing is, is he, he sets all this stuff up. It's all about trying to build value and create value. I think if you do that and you tell a good story while you're doing it, you're going to get some people that'll pay attention. Hey, everyone listening, go check out Mammoth. Go to mammoth.la if you need help building your brand. Uh, it's so much easier to do this stuff when you have a guide at just like the story we tried to tell. Uh, it'll really save you a lot of, of pain and anguish. So reach out. Benoit, it has been a pleasure. Same here. Great chatting with you. It was fun. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.